the Sabbath day, for bringing us safely through another week. Now we ask for the presence of your Holy Spirit, Lord, and the guidance of your Spirit, Lord, as we delve into these uh, topics today uh, in uh, Testimonies for the Church. And we ask, Lord, that we be able to glean principles of truth, Lord, that we can apply in our lives. And we just thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be in your presence and study. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Amen. I'm going to share this real quick. And this is your opportunity. If you would like to share it to any of your social media, this is your opportunity to do that also. Okay. Um, all right, let's go ahead and open up chapter 103. Uh, can anybody tell me what today's topic is about? Labors in the office. Okay. Uh, so when you first read that topic, what did you think it was going to be talking about? I thought in terms of Battle Creek where you know, Ellen White and her husband was doing work. And I thought in terms of the office staff, you know, and I, I thought that's what I thought when I first read it. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. I, I actually thought about um, maybe just, um, you know, something, some office in Battle Creek that she was talking about, like you were saying, Patsy. Uh, but in reading it, um, she's giving two testimonies here, and we may just cover the first one today. Uh, but she's giving two testimonies about those who were working at the review office, which was the um, publishing uh, branch of the work. And um, she's speaking in March of 1867, and she's talking about something that occurred in December of 1865. Um, and she said she was shown what? What things was she shown? This is in the second paragraph. One thing was that the people wasn't listening to the council. Mm. Okay. Okay. That's um, Christians and that not only in name, but indeed and in truth. Okay. Okay. Not, they should not be really working for wages. Okay. So in this, in this uh, second paragraph, She's talking about, and that's good, and that she does discuss those things. She's talking about how she was shown that some of them that were at work in the office, um, that they should not engage in what type of other work? She was talking about uh, mer uh, merchandising and, and, and traffic, and she, okay. and she said it, and she said neither of it was supposed to be they were supposed to be uh, engaged in because it was it, it they she goes on to say they are called to be more sacred elevated the work and it would be impossible for them to do justice to the work and still carry on their traffic mm, mm. does that do you, do you recall any story in the bible that was a little similar to that any story anybody um well, the per oh yeah, I do. It was uh, I think it was Elijah's little helper, right? And he was supposed to um, like not take money from Naaman, 
was that Elijah or Elisha? He was not supposed to take money from Naaman. I mean, and but then, yeah. but then he went back and um, because Elijah said, "No, thank you. This was supposed to be a work from God." And Elijah said, "Y'all ignore that alarm that's going off." Anyway, the, uh, <laughs> okay. So anyway, he went to um, back to Naaman. He doubled back after Elijah told him, "No, thank you," and took the money anyway. And then as a result, he got leprosy. Did, that, did he put it on his family, too? I think his family got it, too. Mm. He said the leprosy that was on Naaman shall now be on you. Okay. Is that the, okay. is that the I wanted and, to and, and, and I thought about the other story, and I guess it was Adonis and his wife, where they were told, that, you know, not to keep anything from, I guess, the selling of a land. And they, uh, he deliberately kept some. And God ended up striking him dead. And then his wife came along, and I think she told a lie. And, and and so, and they told her, you know, that you know that she was in the wrong too. And her husband had already been struck and dead, and then she got struck dead too. Okay, okay. Well, those are both good stories, and we're going to unpack those in a minute. The one I thought about was when um, Jesus walked into the temple. And the people were selling, buying and selling all kinds of stuff inside the temple gates. And what did Jesus do? He threw the money to turned table them tables over. over. He that's right. He threw them yeah. out. Because that and spot he, was supposed to be sacred and holy. They could have done that somewhere else, but I guess they decided, well, this is the best spot to do it in because this is where the people are coming to. And mm-hmm. so um, but he threw the he threw the money chain changers out because he said my what let me see let me try to remember the phrase he said my house is is a house of prayer not a den of thieves or something like that um, right mm-hmm. and so he was he was he was alluding to the sacred character of the work that was being carried on in the temple which is the same thing she's kind of alluding to here there is sacred work right. being because carried on at the publishing office. And that, yeah. and that they sh- and that the minister, those that were there working, should not be engaged in any other work. Now, I'm assuming that they were being paid for their labor there. They weren't just working for free, because you know the Bible says a work a worker is is worthy of his hire. So, also, um, Sister Karen, she goes on to say, if trafficking, which has no connection with the work of God, and it engages the mind and occupies the time. The work will not be done thoroughly and well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so let's unpack that for a little bit, for just a minute. So um, what was she really saying here? Was she saying that they could have a divided interest and they could have one foot out here doing this and then another foot doing the work of God? What was she saying? Exactly? Well, you, you know what came to my mind was in the Bible where it says you cannot worship two uh masters either you're gonna love one or you're gonna hate the other okay 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 now she said that yeah so she was saying that those engaged in the publishing office should have no separate interest and she says that when they have given to the work the attention and care that it demands she said that's all they're able to do they don't have anything else left over or they shouldn't have anything else left over to do any other work and if they do, it's because they're not, they don't have the connection with the work of God that engages their mind and occupies their time 
third, so that it could, the work can be done well. Because if you're doing something with all of your might, then what's left over to do something else with a piece of your might, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, because she continues to say, at best, those who engage in the work have no physical or mental energy to spare. Mm-hmm. hmm Yeah. And she says, if you're really, truly, uh, uh, I guess, sanctified to the work of God, then you are, you become enfeebled by just doing God's work. So you know, if you think about it, years ago, that they didn't allow, they didn't allow pastors to have extra jobs because mm-hmm. they want them to be consecrated and, and really committed to doing God's will. And as, as we read, if they're so busy doing God's will, they wouldn't have time or energy to have a secondary job. But mm-hmm. now I think some of that mm-hmm. has changed. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like that. Wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't that be nice for if we were um, as members in the flock, if we spent more time on doing God's work, we don't have time to be doing nothing else negative. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and that, that's sort of like, well, how can you be in somebody else's business when you're trying to get to heaven yourself? Amen. (laughs) Your whole focus and energy should be on you getting there. Of course, bringing other people with you. But if you live a life that's consecrated to God, then other people are going to be sanctified just by your life and the witness of your life. You know, you don't you may not always always have to do something extra outside of that. Now, I'm not saying in every instance that's the case, because we are to go out into the highways and byways and compel people to come in. But at the same time, sometimes just living a right life in front of people is uh, more of a witness than anything you could say to them. Also, I think it applies to our, it applies to all of us in terms of whatever our hands find to do to do it with all our might as Mm -hmm. unto God and not as unto men. So Mm -hmm. if you are, if you have a double mind, a double mind, Mm -hmm. you have a task to do and you're you're double-minded, thinking, oh, I got to work on this and I want to work on that, then you're not going to do a good job. You're not going to do it well, as Patsy had mentioned. So Mm -hmm. it's all about commitment and decisiveness and focused effort. And that happens too when we're doing uh, departments in church. You don't want to have somebody with so many departments that they can't do their job well or good, you know, because they're double-minded. They got to split their energies and their time too mm-hmm. much so mm-hmm. we need to spread the work of the church out and not have mm-hmm. one or two people doing everything absolutely and then she says at the bottom of this second paragraph is this the second paragraph i think so yes she says at the bottom of the second paragraph that um that, that she says unless they well she's talking about devoting their whole mind and powers of their mind to the work and she says but be sanctified to the work and act as though the cause was a part of them as though they had invested something in this great and solemn work. And she says, unless they thus take hold of this matter with interest, their efforts will not be what? Bottom of the second paragraph, their efforts will not be what? <coughs> Anybody? Not Bottom be acceptable to God. I'm not. Right, right. That their efforts won't even be acceptable to God. So, God don't want you half doing no mess for him. He wants your full consecrated service. 
And so, um, and, and, and let's, let's branch that out. Let's branch that out to like some of in the church. Um, and some people don't do anything at all. Some people do a little bit. Some people do some more. And then other people jump in head first and just try to do everything they can. Which one is acceptable? I got a question. Okay. <laughs> well, let me, let me ask mine. Which one of those do you, scenarios do you think is most acceptable to God? I think if you have a willing heart and God gives you an interest in something and you're doing it with your, with your heart, that God will send the Holy Spirit to help you su to succeed as long as you, you know, you're, you're, you're first searching for his wisdom and understanding. And then God, like I said, I'm one of those people, you know, you might ask me, and, and I, I, I'm just going to say from this past couple of weeks, when they asked me to teach Sabbath school, I was like, I haven't done it in years. And I'm like, Lord, I can't be as effective as El Dorado. But as I began to study, you know, throughout the week, and I was like, well, Lord, you know, you, you put me in this position, you know, to fill in for him. And I know you and the Holy Spirit lead and guide me. And I found it interesting because I learned a lot. But I, it wouldn't be something that I think I'm good. I, mean, I would be good at, at a constant, you know, teaching every week. But God let me know there's something you can do, you know. Mm -hmm. So that's my thought. Okay. Okay. Did you have a question, though, too, Patsy? Yes, I did. Uh, you know, uh, and it talks about, you know, when you were talking about people trying to do a lot in the church and hold a lot of positions, but what do you do when that person is not is not willing to listen when, you know, two or three people come to them and say, you know, sister so-and-so, she, she may be new to the church, but, or, you know, she may have been in church, but she, she's really good at this. If you branch out and, you know, work with her, that'll take some load off you. Some people aren't willing to, to give up too much because that's all they have. And I don't mean to say it's so negative, but that's, that, that's what their life centers around them holding all these positions. So I don't know whether in their minds they look good to the church or if they hold all these positions, then people are, you know who they are. You understand? I'm, that's my mm. question. How do you convince a person that maybe it's time you give up, you know, this position because you can spend more time on the other one? Uh, anybody want to uh, give a stab at that? Yeah, there's no need to convince that person. You go into... Um, the nominating committee, and you just don't nominate that commit that person for one of those offices. You know, I blame I fought that on the church because the church has to protect the members. There are some workaholics out there. Their addiction is work, whether it's for the church or for whatever. So we have to be somewhat protective of them. But it's a simple fix. The church goes in and say to the person, because if a person is a let's say an entrepreneur by nature. They can just move fast by themselves. They just feel better working by themselves. They don't have to ask nobody. They don't have to go do anybody. It's a done deal once they decide. So that's kind of a, a mentality that's hard to break out of. But if they got two offices and um, you feel that in the church feels they could do better with just one, then all they have to do is vote the person out. It's that simple. Mm -hmm. But you know, Lakita, to be honest, some of times on these nominating committees, People are scared to vote some people out because they don't want to feel the the backlash from that individual and their little groups that they belong to. You know, I'm not understanding that because personally, 
when I was, you know, even now in church, I don't really see people have no big burning desire to work for the Lord. And what I see is people trying to avoid any type of responsibility at all when it comes to God, although they <laughs> ask God to do everything. But yeah. that's a whole different subject right there. But so, uh, yeah, there's true people who who um, won't speak up or won't say something. There, there are a lot of those in church, too. You know, one thing to remember, too, is you don't have to vote anybody out of office. It's automatic. At the end of the term, they're no longer the office holder. So you just don't vote them back into that office. The other thing, too, with um, Karen's question was, the Lord says, I would that you were hot or cold, not lukewarm. So whatever we, we're called to do, we need to do it with all of our might and not be double-minded, not be slipshod and haphazard in how we do God's work. You know, we wouldn't do that at our job because we get fired. But when so we're are, working for the church, people tend to slack off because nobody's going to say to them, hey, you, you slacking off. You know, we need this stuff done because like Lakita's saying, you don't often have a lot of people really trying to, to hold an office. So you're trying to hold on to whoever you can. But the thing to remember, too, is these offices are not geared for our own personal uh, aggrandizement. They're not for our prestige. They're not to lift us up. The offices are to edify the church and to move the work forward. So if somebody's getting getting this position just for themselves, then that's the wrong reason to be in that position, and they probably shouldn't get it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think about like some of the smaller churches where you don't have, like you were saying, both of you were saying, you don't have a lot of people stepping up to be in offices, and that's why you have. Um, first of all, more than one person holding more than one office. I mean, one person holding more than one office. And, um, and, and really, you know, is that really a good idea? Because can you give your best when you're divided between two different ministries or three different ministries or whatever? No, that's the whole point about divided, a divided interest or a divided mind. You can't give everything. I mean, logically, you have to split it. Uh, you can, if you have a couple offices, you can give 100% while you're working on this particular um, program or project. Then when you move to the other one, focus, give 100% to that. But you're really dwindling down the effectiveness by giving one person too many offices. One of the misnomers about the church manual, it has all those offices, that don't mean you have to fill all of them. They're in there as a guideline. They're in there to show you what can be done, but you don't have to have all those offices. You pick the ones that are important to your specific church in the situation you find yourself in. You know, if you've got a big church, yeah, you can have, you know, if you have a big church with plenty of young people, sure, you want an AY department. If you're in a church that doesn't have any young people, then AY department is not so important at this point. Mm-hmm. Maybe down the road, you fo- you can uh, build it up, but you don't have to have all those offices. Mm-hmm. Okay. I never knew mm-hmm. that. Okay. Thank you, Elder Carol. And that's another issue too. So the person, you know, people be like, you know, uh, they have a lot to say about an office, but then you say, well, you take the office and they won't take it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's like, um, that's something to consider as you're saying, well, you know, if this person 
you know, she wants to be a part of it, but she has to be willing to, you know, really work, really do the work and not just, because I see a lot of that too. People have offices, but they're doing absolutely nothing with the office. And you know, it's kind of funny when people say, oh, I want to be this particular department head or this department leader. If you show them what it says their duties are, Mm-hmm. You really show them, look, here's what this office entails. This mm-hmm. is what we're expecting out of you. They might not be so quick to jump in there then. And that's probably a very good idea because I don't think we really do that. I don't think we show them from the manual uh, what the uh, duties of the office are. And then even beyond the manual, what we as a we as a specific church might be expecting from, from them or may be needful of from them. Uh, in our church. And so I think that's a good idea to show them. I remember we had one officer that, oh, they, they wrote a letter and they wanted to be the head of one particular office. And they just wrote this long letter about how good they would be and they would do this and they would do that. And then they got in the office and they realized that the work was, constant. I mean, you know, the, <laughs> the things that needed to be done were constant. And they weren't prepared for that. They were prepared to say, well, this is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. But, but beyond what they wanted to do, there was all this other stuff that was ne- needful to be done. And yeah. they, 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 they said, no, I can't do all that. And it was, shortly, it was shortly after they got in office, too. <laughs> <laughs> and it's kind of funny, too. If you're watching someone just say they're the leader of Department A, so department A, this person is doing one or two projects a year. So you sitting in the congregation thinking, well, I can do that office. I'd be good at that office. I could do this. And then when you get it, and then like mm-hmm. we're saying, realize that the person that was in there was half stepping and wasn't doing nothing right. Mm-hmm. And now you're mm-hmm. like, wait a minute, I didn't know I had to do all this. I thought I was just supposed to do one or two things. I didn't know this office took all that. So, yeah, people need to be aware of what they're asking for. That's mm-hmm. another issue all by itself because, you know, you get in there and all of a sudden the church suddenly needs all these things to be done <laughs> that wasn't done in the previous four leaders, you know. so mm-hmm. Well, some things just come up, like if you're a women's ministry leader and you have a women's uh, retreat going on somewhere, that's just something that as the women's ministry leader, you really need to make your, your church members aware of, you know, and, 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 and promote. Doesn't always happen. No, no it doesn't. It doesn't. No, it does not. <laughs> but some things just come up in the course of the office that you have, you know, like if you, if you're one of the deacons, well, and, and, and you have like a flood flood in the building. Well, as one of the deacons, you know, you, that just that's part of your office to, to help secure the building after something like that happens. But I thought um, I was just going to pick up off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I I'm supposed to just walk around in my suit and look good and just say happy Sabbath to everybody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or stand at the door or, 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 or better yet, just stand at the door and collect the offering on the way out. <laughs> yeah. I think we really should start doing that whenever we have elections. Let people know, put out right. a list. Here's what's required. Right, right. Before right. you jump into the 
Now the fire into the frying pan. That's right. That's right. Uh, going down to paragraph, the third paragraph, she says that Satan is very artful, busy, and active, and his special power is brought to bear upon those who are now engaged in the work of preaching or publishing the present truth. All in connection with this work need to keep on the whole armor, for they are the special marks for Satan to attack. Um, I saw that there is danger of becoming unguarded so that Satan will obtain an entrance and perceptibly divert the mind from the great work. Those who fill responsible positions in the office are in danger of getting above the work, losing humbleness of mind and the simplicity which has hitherto characterized the work. Let me ask you, the first question is, when she said that all in connection with the work need to keep on the whole armor, what is the whole armor? Uh, let's say it's the breastplate of truth, I think, and the feet out with the word of God and the helmet of what me, I don't know, salvation. salvation. Basically the word of God. Yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so um, basically every single day, Satan is looking for uh, breaches, places to breach our armor. And if we're not prayed up and studied up every single day, he's going to find an entrance. You know, he don't need it. He don't need much of an entrance. It could be a pin prick. You know, it could be a pin prick in a watertight suit or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. or, or a better yet, a pin prick in an air mattress. Everybody can understand that. Yes. Or, you know, sometimes, uh, Sister Karen and everybody, it also, I like how it says they lose their humbleness of the mind. Sometimes when people get in positions, and I used to say they get the big head, and when they get the big head, nobody can tell them anything, mm-hmm. even if it's for to increase the betterment of, of you know, and I'm just going to say, for an example, if you got an elder and they're in charge of the youth, well, maybe, you know, a suggestion would be, well, you know, at the Sabbath end, you know, let the youth have, you know, some, some activities where, you know, they're moving in, you know, bouncing the basketball or, you know, there's some little activity. Maybe they have some games and stuff to play to get them to, to use their minds and to keep them focused on God. And then you got those saying, well, I'm in a position, you know, and I feel like I don't have to listen to anybody because God gave me this position. And that's where I think, too, Satan begins to come in and begin to tell them, you don't let nobody tell you nothing. But God has to tell you something and lead you, else you're not going to reach those young people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that is so true. If we, if, we, if we just let God or Jesus lead or the Holy Spirit lead, you know, we, we, we will not be in danger of walking down the wrong path or leading anybody else down the wrong path for that matter. One of, one of the easiest ways for Satan to get the leadership <clears throat> is either whisper to uh, the leader, uh, hey, they don't appreciate you like they should. You're doing all this and nobody cares. And next mm-hmm. thing you know, the leader starts thinking that way and they become disgruntled. Or mm-hmm. he can point out somebody else and say, hey, look, look how much they care about that person over there. You could do better than them. Mm-hmm. Anytime you start pointing out um, where people are getting accolades or who's being appreciated. It mm-hmm. goes to our heads as humans because we all want to be loved and appreciated, mm-hmm. but that mm-hmm. can be a real trick of the devil to get us to thinking that, as Patsy has said, getting, losing humbleness and start mm-hmm. thinking that we deserve some kind of praise or we deserve some glory or honor. All the glory and honor has to go to God. 
whatever we do. So that's very interesting the way you put that, Lee, because it made me think of what Satan did in heaven with the third of the angels that fell with him. He caused some whispered things that caused them to become dissatisfied and disgruntled, you know? And yeah, it works on humans too. Right, right. It works on us probably even better than it works on the angels. <laughs> and quicker, I'll say, maybe faster. But yes, absolutely. Um, but 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 the thing about it is Satan may may well the songs, I think it's Song of Solomon says there's nothing new under the sun. And so Satan's whole object is to distract and draw people away from God. And especially he hates those who are um, at the head of the work. And this, that's what she says in the next paragraph. She says Satan had a special in object or interest in striking down the one at the head who was her husband. Uh, and, and we've read in previous chapters that he became quite ill working so hard. Um, and she said, uh, and so he had a thorough experience in the rise and progress of the present truth. And Satan's purpose was to get him out of the way that he might come in and imperceptibly affect minds, like you were saying, like, affect minds that were not experienced and thoroughly consecrated to the work. So, um, but again, she thanks God that, that basically he, he raised her husband back up to health. After others had become acquainted with the burdens he had borne and had felt some of the weariness attending those burdens. So, so I think that that whole thing was designed to, to show people that the, the burdens, when you're truly consecrated to the work, the burden is heavy, you know, in terms of the physical labor, in terms of the mental stress and strain that it puts on you. But, um, you know, and, and I guess, you know, just that, that type of labor itself, you know, was wearying, you know, um, you know, one of the, I'm sorry. The, no, go ahead. One of the added burdens, you know, you're talking about the burden of the work. One of the biggest burdens is when you recognize the sacredness of the work and that you're not just doing this for yourself, but God is expecting you to uh, do what he's asked and you're reaching people for eternity's sake. So when you recognize how big a work that is, you know, that kind of weighs on you. Mm. Yeah, but it really weighs on you if you think you're responsible for it, but it doesn't weigh so heavy when you recognize that God is yeah. doing it. He's just using us, allowing us to assist him. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. And she's basically saying that at the bottom of that paragraph, that the ones who came after her husband, it says it would never be their duty to do as he had done, but they could not stand at their post should they pass through a 20th part of what he had endured. So that just tells you right there, he had a really heavy burden for the work. And uh, it, 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 it basically ruined his health. Um, but you know what else it says too, Karen, is that this is a human phenomenon. Those who are not doing anything complain the most. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, yeah. sometimes people make the work hard you know with all their words you know we just don't realize and sometimes you'll say a careless thing and it'll get back to the person that may be the very thing that says that says to the person okay i just don't think i can do this anymore you know but nobody else is stepping up to say i'm gonna do it mm -hmm. and, 
And you know, I got a good example on that is that uh, 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 Lynette, uh, Ernie's wife, she, a couple of weeks ago, she, you know, put on it, uh, on our emails that, you know, she wanted to have the chili uh, cook-off like we always have. And she wanted people to, you know, that wanted to, you know, participate. So, you know, I'm assuming, you know, because like I said, when I got it and I said, okay, I said, but I'm going to support them when, you know. So I, Melinda called me and told me what time, you know, it was going to start and stuff. So I went over there and, you know, I'm I'm thinking of the old way where you buy your tickets and it was on a Sunday, you buy your tickets and you go around, you know, and you give your ticket up to the tables and stuff. But this time it was just two people. And she had made some vegetarian chili, and I and I came in and I said, "Well, who?" I said, "Do we go to the front?" And Sister Edna Green said, "No, just come through." The, you know, because they had the doors open to the back. I said, "Okay." I said, "I'm here for the chili contest." And so I, I got my, you know, I had my little funds and stuff. And Lynette said, "No, we're not gonna do it the same old way." She said, "You just get to come in and eat your chili and socialize." And I looked in the gym. And I get, and I and, and like I said, I know it was from like twelve to 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 three, but I think they got started a little late. But it wasn't anybody in there, you know, like I'm used to seeing. And Ernie had put up a big TV, and uh, Brother Maupin was there. Elder Maupin was there, and you know, I talked to a few people, and then I got my chili and left, and I was like. My perception was, you know, you got to pay for your tickets, you got to get your chili, and you know, then you have to vote. And I said, but it was so nice to come in and have a free meal. And her chili was delicious because she had the vegetarian chili. And I thought she put a lot of work and energy. So I let her, I just told her, I said, I thank you so much for having it. Because, you know, not only do sometimes we forget people can't make it over there to get their free food on certain days, but just to have somebody take out their time and give you a bowl of vegetarian chili free. It costs if you're going anyplace else. But I just thought the time she spent for that. And I said, I don't know if, you know, if the church recognized her or not, but I think, you know, it was just wonderful for her and Edna to take out her time and have those crop pots there, and they was ready. Okay, well, thank you for that, Patsy. Um, okay, can I have somebody read this next paragraph? Paragraph 587.1. Okay, Satan designed, designs to obtain a foothold in, this, in that office unless there is a united effort. And through watchfulness, he will accomplish his job, his objective, or his object. Some will get above the simplicity of the work and will feel that they are sufficient when their strength is perfect weakness. God will be glorified in that great work. And unless they cherish the deep and constant humility and firm trust in God, they will trust in self, indulge in self-sacrifice, I'm sorry, sacrifices, no, and bring uh, sufficient, and one of more will drink the bitter cup of affliction. As the work increases, there is greatly, the greater necessity for through trust in God and dependent upon him and a thorough and thorough interest in and devotion and devotion to the work selfishness interest should be laid aside. There should be much prayer, much meditation 
for this is the highly necessary for the success and prosper of the work. A spirit of traffic should not be allowed in anyone who is connected with the office. It is permitted. The work will be neglected and mirrored. Common things will be placed too much upon a level with sacred, with sacred things. Hmm. So that's saying a lot in that paragraph. Um, would, would, tell me what stood out to any, each one of you all in that paragraph. Well, one thing is what we were talking about. There has to be a humility of mind. Whatever office you have, you got to remember this is not for your glorification. It's for God's glorification and for the edification of the church family. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What about you, Lakita? Put out in there to you. She's in another room at the moment. Oh, oh, okay. Okay. All right. Uh, well, one of the things that stood out to me is that um, the, I mean, some of, some of the things that we as human beings suffer from, selfish interests, um, she talked about um, a spirit of trafficking, in other words, wanting to make money off of it, a spirit of, of indulging, in, in, sorry, indulging in self-sufficiency, all of that, uh, it, would, it just stands in the way of the work and that we need to lay all that stuff aside. And, and again, although she's talking about those in the publishing uh, office, you know, I think that we can uh, take that across the board to, to the offices that are held in the church and even to doing things that we do for the church, that everything should be Amen. done of God. Everything should be done in a manner that is pleasing to God. And also, so, what she pointed out was there should be much prayer and much medication for the success and prosperity of the work. I don't think you meant to say medication, though. No, <laughs> med meditation. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. I don't know. Do we some, 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 some of us might drive people to go, go, go get them an aspirin. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you, <laughs> you do need a little medication after some board meetings, huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness okay um and then she talks about how the next paragraph how some will just do it just uh, karen before we go to the next paragraph can i make oh, a comment sure and she talks about yeah uh, when she starts off and she said unless there is united effort that means we've got to come together in in a, in a uniform way, even if we disagree, when a person is trying to do something, let's lift that person up in whatever effort that that they're doing, because they, you know, like like uh, Elder Carroll said, they done prayed and they meditated over it, and so instead of you know making them have a hard time or whatever they're doing, if there's something you can do and volunteer, and and they, and they say, yeah, I can use your help, let us let us be willing to do that for the person. You know what, Patsy, I was, um, when you talked about Lynette, I remember so many programs that I did at Northside, and you get one person or two persons and stuff. That is the most discouraging thing ever. And so I kind of understand when people are not functioning, because it's some people that everybody's going to support. And I think that's really unfair. You know, so they, they're going to support this person, and everybody's going to come out for it. You know, other people who may just, you know, they, I, I don't know, they're not a united, um, 
the main crowd or whatever. I don't know, but what it, I don't know what what you need to be for people to support your program and stuff. So, hmm. so I think it was very good that you told her thank you that you hmm. did that program because right about then, if it was me, they would never get another pot of vegetarian chili out of my hands. Mm. Really <laughs> now, Karen, you know we supposed to love our neighbors. <laughs> Mm-hmm. All right, Lakita, we supposed to love our neighbors. I'm gonna love them. They just want to be <laughs> chilly. <laughs> okay. I just come. And that, I just come that, to the house and give me a bowl. That's just being human, I guess. Uh, one of the things, since we back up to the the last paragraph, one of the things that uh, was uh, stood out to me is that is that you know if if we indulge the spirit of of working for pay, I guess, working for hire, um, only for hire. Because I mean, again, a workman is worthy of his hire, but in this sacred work, the work should not be done simply to get a paycheck is what it's saying, I believe. And it's saying that um, common things will be placed too much upon a level with sacred things. Um, And, you know, it's interesting because there is the sacred, there is the common, and then there is the perverse. Of course, we should always avoid the perverse, but we have a tendency a lot of times as human beings to place common on the level with sacred. That's why a lot of times when we're sitting around at like dinner after church, we're talking about everything in, in the kitchen sink after church at, at you know, on Sabbath. Uh, talk about our jobs and what happened on our jobs and, you know, what we went went shopping, uh, bowling scores, bowling scores, and <laughs> all kind of stuff we're talking about, which is which which to me, when you really think about it, is placing the common on the level with the sacred, and the Sabbath is sacred, and the hours are holy, and so, so we should guard the avenues of our conversations even on the Sabbath. So I think to that we should. In order to combat that, we need to talk to each other throughout the week because we don't talk to each other throughout the week and then we see each other on the weekend. Then we want to talk about the weekly things. So we just need to start talking to each other and call each other throughout the week so we can talk about heavenly things on the 24 hours of praise. (laughs) But, But you know, also, and it's sad to say, but you know, even there were times when we sat down after church to have a meal and people started criticizing what they was eating. And yes. I thought, just be thankful that the Lord gave us the food. And I guess, right. you know right. me, right. I'm just like, praise the Lord, I got the food, you know. But, right. I, you know, it, and it kind of takes away because you look up at the table and you're hearing people criticize on what they're being fed. And I'm like, but God provided it for you and it's free. Yep. 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 The you one know what? For the quail. And you know, you guys, we really don't realize that when we say disparaging things about each other, it's building a wall between us and the person. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah, like that girl definitely. on, um, uh, what, I forgot the name of these people. What's her name? You don't know what I said. Where her name, uh, she's on and she's looking out the window and she's like, oh, hi, hi. Girl, you know, Karen really need to do something about those hard-headed kids of hers. Karen, I saw little Jimmy. He was robbing the store, girl, when I saw him. I just act like I didn't know him. And girl, <laughs> he's grown so big. You know, that's what it's like. There's no, there's no real friendship there. And it's a thing 
our words are not nothing. They, <laughs> they, they lodge into somebody's ears and they lodge into that person's heart maybe. And it can change. It can change, you know, like, um, let's just say, let's say if um, Lee had been talking to me, which he hasn't, negatively about Beverly. I would have never approached Beverly and said, hey, let's do a, you know, a concert to, for Christmas together, you know, or if somebody had said something, you know, maybe about Karen, then I would have never said, Karen, why don't you come down and work with me, you know, to do the uh, TV show? You know, it, it, it can hinder the work of God because now we don't reach out to these people. Mm-hmm. If even if they feel okay about talking about people, mm-hmm. I'm always uncomfortable when a person if it's just me and a person and you have something out with the person you talk to me, that's one thing. But in a group of people, I'm really uncomfortable with that. That is just Amen. very, very yes. uncomfortable Amen. with and all of that. That's something Andre and I were talking about yesterday, how once you hear something, you can't disregard it. Like, for instance, um, we were talking in specific about uh, a jury and how if some evidence comes out and the judge says, well, the, 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 ju- the judge sus- sustains an objection about it and they, then he tells the jury to disregard what they heard. Well, they may not be able to talk about that openly in jury deliberations, but they've heard that. And that's going to affect their view on the whole matter because they can't take it back. And so even though they may not, may not verbally say anything like in jury deliberations, they've heard it and it's going to affect them. And so we were discussing the fact that basically anything that is said or you see, it's going to affect you by beholding. We do become changed. We may not even realize the, you know, the, the imperceptible change that, that, that occurred in us, but changes do occur by what we behold. You know, it's funny, Lakita and I, we always felt that way about the judge saying disregard that last comment, because it's kind of funny that a lot of people, truthfully on jury duty, you've been there for a couple hours, you starting to glaze over, you know, <laughs> not paying attention anyway. But then when he says disregard it, then you're like, oh, wait a minute, what'd he say? What'd he say? And now you're paying even more attention to what they said instead of disregarding it. Right, right. And, yeah. and, you know, sometimes you, you have to say to yourself, I'm not here to serve anybody but God. And I'll give you an, a real quick example. I remember going back to teach in the uni, unified school. And I had people, I mean, girl, you crazy, you stupid after all that stuff you've been. And I thought, this isn't for me. This is they need help. And God says, if, if for those who he's given much to, much is going to be required, and those kids needed somebody. And, 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 and you know, it's funny. They never called me to say, how are you doing now that you're back at the unified school? But it was so much negative, and I just said, I don't even have to deal with it. I said, because I know what God is asking me to do. And I was blessed. I said, I, you know, I said, I got to meet Miss Meeks and, you know, other people that I would never have met before. Mm-hmm. That's a good point, Patsy. And also, when you think about it, I like this little phrase that anything can be accomplished when nobody cares who gets the credit. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's Amen. a good one. Mm-hmm. So we got to get those cookies this week. We hear you, Lakita. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> 
Okay. Um, and then she talks about in that same paragraph, she talks about how um, there's special danger to those at the head of the work that they might become lifted up, exalted, and that the work of God would be marred, bearing the imprint of the human instead of the divine. Um, that reminds me of the story in the Bible where the man, he had, um, he had, had many fields and barns and stuff. And then he looked up and he oh, said, yeah. what I have done. He said, and I don't even have enough room to hold everything. I know I'll build me some bigger barns. And then what was the Lord's response to him? Anybody remember that story? Yeah, this day your life should be required of you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, ooh, yeah. ooh. This day your life is going to be required of you. So everything you think you worked for is going to go to somebody else. Everything. Oh. Oh. Um, yeah, so um, we have to be careful when we are doing things for the church or otherwise, that we don't become high and lifted up and exalted and think it's something that we did. And make Amen. sure we're giving the glory and the praise to God because we can do nothing without him keeping us breathing even, you know, or keeping us in our minds or keeping us from having a stroke or a heart attack or something else. I've been watching this show about mo- the monsters inside me. I don't know if you guys ever watched that. Well, I yeah, hate I that love show. that show. I hate that show. <laughs> I've I've never heard of it. (laughs) Why do you hate it, Lee? Can you tell Patsy what it's about real quickly? (laughs) Patsy, it's about every gross thing that could happen to a human body. And they show you in visual color. So I don't want to see all that. No. Well, you know know what? It's not every gross thing. It's usually dealing with some sort of insect that has gotten inside the body or some sort of virus or something that's gotten inside the body. And is wreaking havoc on some organ in the body. Right. And they're trying to determine oh. what it is, what it is, and how it happens, and you know, all of that. It's just <laughs> gruesome, grossing. <laughs> grossing, gruesome, rather. Mm. So um, one of the things that it, it, it teaches me is that is that like there's certain things that you should stay away from doing, you know. Or if they happen, like uh, one little boy, he was playing in a barn, an old barn with some friends of his. He scraped his knee on a rusty nail. And then a few days later, his leg was all swollen up and blistering and all kind of stuff like that. And they were trying to figure out what in the world is wrong with this child. And come to find out that's what had happened. And and uh, he had thought nothing of it. So it didn't even get disinfected or anything when he get, you know, when went ho- into the house or whatever. But uh, he had contracted um, some sort of, I, I think this is the right story, flesh eating bacteria from the thing. Not to mention a big case of lockjaw on the way. Mm. So, uh, <laughs> uh and I forgot what my point was. And even <laughs> but, um, but, um, so let's go on. Maybe I'll think of what my point was and say, what were we talking about before that? Anyway. Uh, okay. Um, and uh, I think that, um, that, you know, basically we're, I think we're going to end here at this paragraph and we're going to do their, her next vision uh, at our next session. 
Um, but um, the point is not to become high and lifted up and think that we have done it or we have done anything because we can do nothing without Christ. Mm-hmm. We can't ourselves breathing from day to day. So um, I think that that this particular lesson, um, there's application of it in our lives and each and every life, whether we hold a church office or not. There's this, this can be applied to our lives, you know, and that whatever we undertake to do for Christ, as you said, Lee, do it with all your might. Any other comments before we stop here today? You know, I had, uh, well, Pastor Black, when he was at uh, Elder, um, at uh, Pastor Rice's church, and he signed his book because they had a, a, a thing at uh, one of the uh, uh, we were off at another place and he had his books there and I bought one and he signed it and he put down whatever you do, do to the glory of God. And I said, I never forgot that. I still have his book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Any other comments before we finish for today? No. Um, Lee, where are we next week? Next week we're in the book Christian Service. The subchapter is not one in 20 prepared. Not one in 20 prepared. That's chapter three, you said? Uh, let's see. Yes. It doesn't have a chapter on it. Okay. Let me see. But the subchapter is not one in 20 is prepared. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, so thank you everyone for joining us today. Um, Lakita, would you pray us out, please? Yes, I will. Thank you. Okay. Most honorable Father, in the blessed name of Jesus, we are so grateful that you love us and you care for us, your Father. And as we have, as it has been said many times in the class, we can do nothing without you. We can't breathe. We can't wake up. On our own. All of this is because of your goodness and your graciousness. Now, Lord, we ask that as we depart from this class, Lord, let us never depart from your presence. Help us, dear Father, to be sincere and genuine and helpful, dear Lord. Please help us as we see others laboring in your vineyard. It may not be the way we would do it, Lord, but help us keep our mouth closed and help us, Father, to be thankful and grateful for whatever works others are doing and be grateful and thankful for the opportunities and the work that we do for you. We just thank you so much and we can never, ever, ever repay you for the, your goodness and graciousness towards us. So help us to work out um, our love and our good uh, and um, allow your goodness and your mercy to work through us so that we will be saved and be ready at your soon second coming. In the name of Jesus, we pray and praise you always. Amen. 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 All right. We will see you next.